This is the Gratitude Journal Podcast. Welcome back, my friends, to the Gratitude Journal Podcast. Matthew here on another rather wintry afternoon here in Northeast Ohio. It's also one of those afternoons that reminds me that we're in the middle of cold and flu season, too, because my wife has been dealing with uh, a malady for really going on about 10 days. In fact, within that 10-day stretch, we've probably visited her primary care physician twice already. I've made countless trips to the drugstore up the street to get various and sundry things to help her overcome it. And as she is moving in a positive direction, yours truly is kind of moving in the opposite direction. So as is normally the case, we tend to catch this from each other. And so if I sound a bit muffled and stuffy, it is the season. And that's the way things happen here in the wintertime in Northeast Ohio. One of the early authors who really became an influence to me, even though I can't admit to reading all of his works, uh, passed away over the past couple of months, and that is Ram Dass. And I have a really good friend by the name of Ginny. And early in our relationship, which now stretches over 40 years, she loaned me a book from Ram Dass, and I think, I may be wrong, but I believe that this book from Ram Dass was actually his best-selling book, and it's called Be Here Now. And it really introduced me to some of those basic tenets of Eastern thought. And up until that time, really, my exposure to Eastern thought was really the series Kung Fu. (laughs) I know that sounds funny, but when we were growing up as kids and I have a very large family on Thursday nights, uh, I believe this went like this. The Brady Bunch was on at, at 7.30 or 8, and then the Waltons were on. And then after the Waltons would end, well, everybody would scatter, you know, to go take their baths in our one bathroom for seven kids and a mother and a father. And a lot of times my brother and I were twins, so we were the oldest. We would wait for everyone else to get out of the bathroom. And my father and I would watch Kung Fu. Well, no one really knew what Kung Fu was. It was just sort of a series that got you through to whenever it was on at 10 o'clock or whatever that everybody continued to watch after they had already gotten their bath. So I sort of introduced him to Kung Fu. And at first he was like, what is this with the, the monks in, the, in China? And all of a sudden, after several episodes, he was sort of into it too. But <laughs> I digress. So aside from my journey into watching David Carradine and Kung Fu, that was really my introduction to some form of thought other than Western Christianity. 
And I bring that up because I always have to remind myself to take a couple of seconds and express gratitude for the fact that my brother and I in May will be 60 years old. And all of our, all of the siblings, sometimes throughout our conversations over the year, are quite amazed that our parents are still with us. Like our parents are still alive. And for the most part, our parents are doing pretty darn well. In August, both of them turn 91. Their birthdays are three days apart. And I'm really still amazed that they're still among us when a lot of our friends uh, have lost their parents long ago. My friends Ron and Gary in Kentucky, both of them have lost all of their parents. And in some cases, it's been several years. So, from that standpoint, I consider myself fortunate. But being human, there are those times when going to make sure that I visit them gets in the way. I feel bad saying that. But sometimes working all week and now adding a part-time job into the equation. There are those weekends when I think to myself, you know, I really don't want to drive 22 miles down to see my parents and then drive 22 miles back. There are just other things that I would prefer to do. But I try to do it, and I think that for the most part, I think that I'm fairly successful. But there's also that situation where I know that the things that I tell them, the things that I share with them, they're very much in the now. And what I mean by that is the chances are very good that what I share with them on any one visit, that those details are not going to be remembered. In fact, my mother's short-term memory is so bad that even in the span of one visit, let's say it's an hour visit, she may ask me the same question five times. And it does give me pause because, in reality, with the situation involving my wife and her dementia diagnosis, there are some parallels. And so I keep reminding myself about the title of the Ram Das book, Be Here Now. And to continue to remind myself that 
rather than be upset, be morose, that I should just take it as it goes, just experience it in the now. I mean, imagine explaining or trying to explain to two 90-year-old people the concept of Wi-Fi. And I bring it up because in one of our conversations, my mother would invariably ask me, so what do you watch at night? And so I say to her, well, you know, during sports seasons, I have a tendency to watch the Indians when they're on. And I have a tendency to watch the Cavs. And then we have a couple of shows that we watch. But the reality is that most of the shows we watch are streaming. And so when I say things like Netflix, or I say something like Hulu, well, they have no idea what that is. And so I'll say, well, we watched this series on Netflix. What, ser- what series is that? And I'll tell, them, tell her what the series is. And she'll say, well, what is that? Is that on TV? And then imagine trying to explain, well, not exactly. So what you have to do is your Wi-Fi connection connects to your television through a smart device or through a Roku, and then you stream this, and you watch it all at once. You binge watch it. What do you mean you watch it all at once? Well, they produce the shows you know, 13 or 14 episodes at a time, and then you can just watch them one after another. What do you mean, watch them one after another? So it goes on and on like that. So I think to myself, sometimes during that visit, well, I know what's going to happen. She's going to ask me how I've been, how's Donna, where is she, is she still painting? So what do you watch at TV at night? Well, what is that? Is there a football game on tonight? Oh, I hate baseball. I love football. So what do you make for dinner? So how's work going? What is it that you do? These are regular things that happen during these visits. And what's amazing, though, is that even though she may not be able to recall the answer I gave her five minutes ago, Both of them, and they do this a lot, a lot of reminiscing about the hometown they grew up in, which was Thomas, West Virginia. They can remember the most salient details. Names, I mean, they amaze me. New names continue to pop up of people who were their friends. Someone who lived on the next street over. Someone my dad went to a bar with. I mean, it's extraordinary to listen and to watch their minds work when these things occur. So I remind myself to live in the moment and enjoy the challenge and to make it fun of trying to explain what exactly Wi-Fi is to my parents or what it is I do at work when I'm working at the restaurant at night? Or what's it feel like to ride a motorcycle? 
knowing full well that by the next visit, hell, maybe by the end of that visit, I could start the same conversation over again and it would be as if I had never had that conversation with them before. And I do see some similarities between them and my wife. And it has made me quite depressed sometimes when I know that those same kinds of incidents can occur in our conversations. Lately, on Saturdays, we've been going out for coffee. My wife doesn't drink coffee. I do. And a lot of times, I have my one cup of coffee in the morning. It's a fairly large, sizable cup of coffee. But every once in a while, I like to have one in the afternoon, especially if I have to work my job in the evening and I'm looking for a little pick-me-up. And because of some of the throat and voice conditions that I have, I'm not supposed to have a lot of coffee. I'm not really not supposed to have any coffee, but I can't imagine life without coffee. So we've been going to various coffee places. In fact, the city of Akron and the surrounding area has a kind of a coffee tour. It's a little brochure. And so there are 15 or 16 different participating places, and you go to that particular coffee place, and they stamp your brochure, and then when you have your brochure stamped with all of the participating coffee places, then you mail it in, and you're in the running for some weekend getaway, something or other, very similar to the brew path tours that are very popular in cities now. So we've been knocking off some of these coffee places, and Donna gets her hot chocolate, and I get my coffee, and we talk. And one of the rules we have, and we're not always good about it, one of the rules we have is we're not allowed to take out our cell phones. But usually we kind of break that rule sometimes. But while we're conversing, I sometimes have the same experience where I know that what I share with her, what I say to her, may not be recalled. For instance, I might tell her that, well, I have a phone call on Monday about a potential new project or a potential client. And in a normal circumstances, what would have happened years ago is on that Monday afternoon or Monday evening, she might have said to me, well, hey, you were supposed to have your uh, call with your new client. Did you have that? How did it go? But really, since the diagnosis, and, and maybe even a year or more before that, those things don't occur anymore. And I want to say I used to get sort of bummed out about it, but I have to admit that I still do. However, think of the title of that book from Ram Dass. I can still see the cover of it. I can still remember the day she handed it to me, that Jenny gave it to me while we were having breakfast at the Imperial House. 
And sometimes during those conversations with Donna, I say to myself, just be here now. Just soak up the ambiance of what you have now. Even if you have to pretend, just give her the benefit of the doubt that she's going to remember or recall or be the same person that she was five years ago, even. And be grateful for that conversation. Be grateful to have the chance to share. Even if the sharing doesn't feel reciprocal. Just like I try to be grateful to be able to explain to my mother what's, what it's like to ride down a back road smelling manure, feeling the hum of a Triumph motorcycle engine underneath me on a sunny blue sky day with seemingly no cares in the world trying to explain to her what that bliss feels like. There was a morning not too terribly long ago that I couldn't sleep. I got up to go to the restroom and as people who are approaching 60 will tell you sometimes there aren't a whole lot of days in the week where we don't have to get up in the, in the middle of the night and relieve ourselves. So I experienced one of those mornings and then I jumped back in bed and it was warm. And, and for whatever reason, I just had trouble going to sleep. And I just was sort of tossing a bunch of things around in my head. And I knew as soon as I started to toss things around in my head that I was going to have trouble getting back to sleep. It's like suffering from ocular migraines. I, I know when I see a little twinge of flash in my vision, and it ha could happen at any time, I know what's about to happen. Like that little tickle that's been in my throat for the last couple of days. I just know what's about to happen. I, I'm going to feel under the weather. Let's hope that it's not too severe. And when my head started to turn, my mind started to warble, and I knew that I was thinking about things too much, that I was going to have trouble getting back to sleep. But I was thinking about these conversations and taking them for what they're worth. And down below the house is a set of train tracks, and a, and a train went through with the train whistle, and both Don and I love the train whistle. We're, we always say to ourselves, isn't it cool that we live near a train track? And for whatever reason, that train whistle just gave me a sense of tranquility. 
it gave it 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 settled me it made me realize that it's almost like it at that moment it it brought me into the moment and i thought of ram das's book and i just realized that it was just so important and so critical even though i'm horrible at it to be here now. I know that I'm not a very good Christian. I'm a healthy skeptic. But I'm trying to understand it. And I know I'm not a very good Buddhist or practitioner of Eastern thought, but I'm trying to be better and I'm trying to understand it. And I think both of those traditions have in their approach the the mandate that we be here now, that we try to extract everything that we can extract in the moment. Because that particular day that I was trying to explain to my mother about Wi-Fi, that moment is gone. And that conversation I had with Donna at the Crimson Cup, when I talked about possibly getting a new client station in Alabama, that moment is gone. It's never going to happen again. And that train whistle, it's gone. It went out into the distance. I could no longer hear it. And I just went to sleep. So, be here now. Thanks for checking in on this episode of the Gratitude Journal Podcast. Podcast.